serious question. What the hell happened to Kamala Harris? It was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a, a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Thank you. Vice President Biden, you have been invoked. We are going to give you a chance to respond. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you. Hard to imagine, but that was only a few months ago. July, the first debate in Miami as hosted by NBC. It was a star making performance for Kamala Harris. According to Real Clear Politics, she'd averaged around 7 to 8% prior to it, and after that, she hit 15 and a few polls coming in ahead of both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. This isn't to say that Kamala Harris ran a great campaign up till then. In my mind, it was pretty unsteady. She'd already waffled on health care twice, and she did it again in Miami, which was overshadowed by her pantsing Biden. But yet there she was, demonstrating a presidential command of the stage in a very early phase. If you've listened to our previous episode about how Kamala Harris wins and how she loses, then you know very well that Kamala Harris wants to run a race where she's the law and order liberal. And that moment crystallized so much of it. She has the liberal element of, look how these policies have affected me as a woman of color. She has the law and order part, where this is why I was an attorney general. I made sure that cops put on body cameras and kept them on. But here's why I think that moment caught on. Here's why I think we had our brief summer fling of Kamala Harris possible frontrunner. It's not what she said, which was gigantic. But the counterweight was what immediately came afterward. It's a mischaracterization of my position across the board. I did not praise racist. That is not true. Number one. Number two, if we want to have this campaign litigated on who supports civil rights and whether I did or not, I'm happy to do that. I was a public defender. According to a 538 and Ipsos poll that was taken right after the Houston debate, this is the most recent one, nearly 40% of all Democrats polled said the most important thing that they care about, more than health care, more than the economy, more than wealth inequality, climate change, gun policy, immigration, education, racism, and the makeup of the Supreme Court. The one thing that 40% dwarfing all other issues is the ability to beat Donald Trump. 
What America saw in that moment with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden was a vision of the future they were very pleased by. An authoritative woman of color undressing an old man and the old man coming back with a barely coherent, slurred, low-energy response. One of my favorite pet theories about a Democratic primary is that all of the winners in recent history have been meteors. People that weren't expected who broke through the status quo and became a revolution within their own party. Kennedy, Carter, Clinton, Obama. All folks that came from behind, all folks that for whatever reason were defined by something special. And you could see in the glint of the summer sun that Kamala Harris, for some Democrats, could have been that. But what happened? She didn't take advantage. She laid off Biden. She didn't introduce any other moderate policies that would attract the Biden crowd. And lo, Biden's numbers stabilized. Before Miami, his real clear politics average was 32. After Miami, it went down to 26. And within a month, he was recovered. Back up to 32. And what's happened to Kamala? Well, in the last debate which you would think would be a favorable crowd for her as somebody who graduated from a historically black college and the debate was at a historically black college. She kind of came off a little loopy. Not to mention the fact that she trained all of her ire on Donald Trump. It was like she was pivoting to the general before she really solidified the fact that she should be pivoting to the general. It certainly wasn't what people liked about her before. What people liked about her before was that she stood up to an entrenched power. Now, I know this is not my most popular take, but I very much believe in the last man standing knives out primary strategy. I believe that Voters want to see that you can get scalps. After her Miami moment, the voters that she attracted wanted a better Biden. A moderate that was a woman of color who can fight and beat Trump. Instead, she drew first blood and then left Biden alone. While her one-time contemporaries in Bernie and Warren, are now creeping up to the high teens in their poll number average. Kamala's been in a free fall. She now's in a statistical tie with Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And in a particular moment of humiliation, an Emerson poll came out yesterday showing that in her home state of California, where might I add? She won a senatorial statewide election less than five years ago. She is currently polling in fourth place behind Andrew Yang, Yang, Yang who has not won any election in his life, let alone one in the Golden State. Harris has raised enough money and has polled well enough that it's an almost certainty that she'll make it to Iowa. 
But increasingly, the signs are there that this might just be a joyride. Sure, she can audition for whomever the nominee is to possibly be their vice president or possibly join the cabinet. Hell, she'd be an amazing endorsement right before Super Tuesday when California has their primary. But as far as President Harris goes, she wasn't really able to follow the road that could have taken her to glory. There can only be one nominee. You can just see on the last day of her campaign, Kamala signed in everybody's yearbook, that girl was me. It's something unpredictable, and the end is right. I hope you have the time of your life. Politics! Hello, do you like this content? Would you like more irreverent, intelligent political discourse in your life? Well, go ahead and sign up for my newsletter, Free Political Newsletter, at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Five stories a day. They're the ones I think that are probably the most important. And to be totally honest, the ones that some of them fall under the radar a little bit. If you really like turning the conversation to who's going to win, what's important, what are people going to be talking about around election day, this is the newsletter for you. And it's totally free. Not going to lie. We've kind of hit a bit of a saturation point on the newsletter. If you look at how many people listen to the show, you look at how many people would be interested in something like this, we've kind of hit where we're going to be in terms of the listenership. So I want to ask something of you guys. Everybody's got one friend that they talk about politics with. If you're listening to a political podcast, at least. Go ahead and forward them the newsletter. See what they think. See if they like it. Encourage them to subscribe if they do. We're trying to break out of our bubble a little bit, and it totally relies on you guys. Free Political Newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com Politics! I got a new nickname for Bernie Sanders, and I'm specifically talking to all the Bernie supporters who listen. If you are a Bernie supporter, I'm I'm raising the alarm bell on this one, all right? I want your emails. Yes, I'm saying it. I want, I'm calling out all the Bernie Sanders supporters because I need your emails on this. I need to know where you're at. Because I picked Bernie Sanders to win the nomination and I believe that that is in peril. So you need to tell me why it's not. Here's my new nickname for Bernie Sanders. The Giving Tree. Oh, the Giving Tree Bernie Sanders. If you're unfamiliar with the Shel Silverstein book, The Giving Tree is a story of a young man who befriends a sentient tree. Well, I mean, I guess maybe it's supposed to be sentient, maybe it's not. But the tree gives to the boy. It gives apples. It gives shade. Eventually... The boy chops down the tree. It's only a stump. And the tree is so sad that it can't provide for the boy, now an old man, 
any shade. It can't provide any apples. But the old man says, don't worry. I just need a place to sit. And the tree's happy to just be a stump for the old man. Well, guess what? Elizabeth Warren is the boy. The tree, the giving tree, is Bernie Sanders. And we saw the first apple fall off this week when the Working Families Party, which had previously endorsed Bernie Sanders, endorsed Elizabeth Warren this week. Elizabeth Warren signed on to Medicare for All, and now she owns that issue. Bernie Sanders has refused steadfastly to tell progressive voters why he's different. And you want to know what's going to happen? I, I, I warned y'all before. I said that Elizabeth Warren was going to skin Bernie Sanders and walk around this primary in a Bernie Sanders suit. And now it's happening. And you want to know what else is happening? You're starting to see some of the cracks of the Bernie Sanders campaign. This was an article from Politico. Headline, Sanders campaign racked by dissension. Here's the lead. Some of Bernie Sanders' fiercest supporters are sounding the alarm that the campaign is bogged down by disorganization, personality clashes, and poor communication between state operations and national headquarters. You want to know what this article is designed to do? Number one, damage the idea that the man who can't control his own campaign now wants to take over health care, now wants to take over labor relations, now wants to take over all these other elements that people who are non-progressives will criticize progressive ideals for, specifically Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, but also signals to progressives that there's only one candidate that has their poop together. And that's Elizabeth Warren. Bernie Sanders has allowed this reality to happen. And if he's not going to stand up at some point and say that he's a different candidate and here's why you should vote for him and not her, then he's just going to be a stump for her to sit on by the time that the nominee is decided. So go ahead, Bernie folks, email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. I'm sorry for yelling. I apologize to our Christian affiliates. On a lighter note, do you know where the term gerrymandering came from? Like, not what it is, but the word itself. If you didn't, we found out this week on the PX3 interview, we talked all about gerrymandering, and, and this is just a little fun factoid, but... In the interview itself, we we got all into how gerrymandering affects us, the ways that people have tried to fight against it, the, the method that they used to try to do, and how a Supreme Court ruling might have been the best possible thing for combating gerrymandering. So go ahead and listen to the interview, but go ahead and log this little piece of political trivia for the next time you have a conversation about this, because I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, the actual term gerrymandering was coined in 1812 uh, as the result of a uh, district drawn by Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Gerry uh, that looked like a salamander in the minds of some people. So those <laughs> those names, Elbridge Gerry and salamander, got kind of joined to become the term gerrymandering. Oh, my God. That's that's awesome. 
I never knew that Salamander was involved in that. That yeah. is that is a, yeah, that is a it's, great it's factoid. The, it's, the, it's the 1812 governor's name combined with a district that looked like a salamander. There's a famous <laughs> political cartoon where the newspaper draws an image of a salamander over this particular district that was drawn in Massachusetts. Damn. If you would like to see that political cartoon, head on over to my Twitter, twitter.com slash Justin R. Young. It is the pinned tweet at the top. And to be totally honest, it looks more like a dragon, which means this very likely could have been called Jerry Dragoning. Can you imagine people getting all spitting mad? The Jerry Dragoning in this district is disgusting. Or drag, jer, jerrygoning? Jargoning, maybe? I don't know. We'll never know. But you can go ahead and see the picture. Twitter.com slash Justin R. Young. Now, I did not plug up front the fact that we have a Patreon that you can go to uh, TakePoliticsSeriously.com and you can sign up for our $3 club because I'm going to give you guys a little taste of something that happened on Monday. Again, we have little Monday Minnesotes, little Friday Minnesotes. Uh, uh, last Fridays, or two Fridays ago, we actually did a little interview with Tom Merritt about Brexit. So instead of just reading Tom Merritt's tweets like we've done on this show, we actually talked to him. And on Monday, in celebration of Joe Biden's corn pop video, if you're not familiar with that, Joe Biden had a video surface from two years ago where he talked about how he confronted a gang member named Corn Pop when Biden was but a teenage lifeguard. And initially, everybody thought he was very obviously lying. And then as it turns out, which was suspicious because a lot of times Joe Biden stretched the truth and nobody's come forward with any kind of evidence saying that he was uh, right. But this time, oh my God, Raining from the skies, we had oh so much information about how right Joe Biden was on this. We found out that Corn Pop died three years ago. I know so much about Delaware gang life now. But still, the clip was very funny, largely because Joe Biden sounded a little doddering. So I tried to mash up just two clips, and they fit so well I made it a longer thing. So this, you would have heard this on Monday if you are a part of our $3 level at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. But it's so good. I got to play it for you guys here. This is the Joe Biden ex-Grandpa Simpson mashup. The ferry over to Shelbyville? I needed a new heel for my shoe. Back in those days, the show how things have changed. One of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. So I tied an onion to my belt. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel. And in those days... Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. And they had step. Those days, you used to remember the straight race. You'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt. Yeah, but I shouldn't have called you. 
Esther Williams, I apologize. Which was the style at the time? Politics! Man, am I tired of reading the phrase pushing his friend's penis when it comes to Supreme Court news. Wrong! Oh. Well, in that case, then it must be time for the... Kirsten Cinema is absolutely beloved by her home state Democratic base. Wrong. This one's a, a funny one. So, so Kirsten Cinema was one of the the big success stories of the 2018 Democrats uh, in the blue wave of the midterm. She, unlike Beto O'Rourke, unlike Stacey Abrams, unlike Andrew Gillum who were in swing states that uh, wanted to flip either governor's mansions or senatorial seats blue, Kirsten Cinema actually did it in Arizona. Super close race with Martha McSally, and she won. Kirsten Cinema, icon, bisexual. She had a power suit when she, she got sworn in. She was one of the people that was getting a lot of press attention, and now she's being censured. By the Arizona Democratic Party. Here's the story. Kirsten Cinema is facing a censure vote from the uh, Arizona Democratic Party brought by progressives who deem her policies too accommodating to President Donald Trump at the expense of Democratic values. Cinema built a moderate political brand during her three terms in the House of Representatives, which has extended uh, to her early days in the Senate. According to 538, she has opposed Trump while in the Senate 81% of the time. In the House, she supported Trump's agenda 54% of the time. While Cinema's political centrism has earned her Republican support, it has graded on progressives, some of whom silently protested her during a state fundraising dinner in downtown Phoenix. Democratic state committeemen will consider the resolution on Saturday at Arizona's Democratic Party's quarterly meeting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That that seems like if if she won, that's something that that should be understood. You should understand. Hell, she beat a Republican. She she purpled Arizona. I don't know, but I'm not an Arizona Democrat. So what 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 the hell do I know? Hey, Boris Johnson is facing the biggest disaster. Of a foreign Trump ally. Wrong! Yo, BB Netanyahu says, hold my gold star beer. He uh, looks like he has lost control of, of the uh, Knesset there in, in Israel. Uh, he needed, uh, he needs 61 seats. As of right now, they are still counting, by the way. But the Likud party only has 55 that means that he is either going to have to to face some miracle new or create some miracle new coalition or, and this is the possibility, he is going to be ousted from the Likud party. And this also means he might face prosecution. 
Like, he not only needed to stay in power to stay in power, he needs to stay in power to stay out of jail. We will see where this goes in terms of, I mean, look, uh, America's not going to, to stop supporting Israel because Bibi Netanyahu's not there. But he was a very muscular ally to Trump. He was somebody that very much backed Trump's play, even at times where it was a little shady. Not shady. Not what you would normally expect. And now it looks like he's gone. Hey, Don Blankenship was wrong. Wrong! What? What? If you don't remember Don Blankenship, let me give you a little taste of Don Blankenship. One of my goals as U.S. Senator will be to ditch cocaine Mitch. Don Blankenship was running for Senate in West Virginia and made headlines because he was calling the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate cocaine Mitch. Why? Well, as he explained, Mitch McConnell's China family was busted shipping cocaine and so therefore Mitch McConnell is cocaine Mitch. The China family he was referring to is his wife, Elaine Chow. Blankenship made the case that Elaine Chow and Mitch McConnell were becoming rich based off his ties to this shipping company. And headline from CNN, House Committee launches ethics investigation into Elaine Chow's ties to shipping company run by her family. This is a quote from Chairman Elijah Cummings, who wrote a letter to Chow. Cummings said that they were investigating multiple allegations against the secretary, including troubling questions about whether or not you are using your office to benefit you and your family and probing Chow's failure to divest stock in the company. I never thought I would be giving... Don Blankenship, any more shine on this show, but holy smokes. Politics! You know, I love when we can do pole dances where a pole dance is truly appreciated, where the art is being moved forward. So I will try my best to honor my homeland, the greatest state in the Union, Florida, in this rendition. But first, we... Do have some folks that haven't quite made it. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, Tulsi Gabbard, Cory Booker, Andrew Yang, Beto O'Rourke, and a rare appearance by presidential candidate and Miramar Mayor Wayne Messam. Sorry, but... I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. <laughs> This is a Florida Atlantic University poll taken from September 12th to the 15th. And it is this week's edition of the... Get on the floor if you got that booty. Oh! Dance! 
stepping up first to the stage with 4%. Barely one percentage point ahead of Wayne Messam. She is your senator from California. Kamala Harris. With 5%. Another mayor. Mayor. Pete. With 14% of the vote, Senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders! In second place, the surging Senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren. But your headliner with 34% of the vote. Big job. That is Harris 4, Judge 5, Sanders 14, Warren 24, and Biden 34. That is the former Vice President of the United States with a 19.5 spread. So a few things to note about Florida, its primary is going to be held on March 17th. So this is like a, a kill or be killed primary. Super Tuesdays on March 3rd. So you're going to really thin the herd. And then on March 17th, Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio all vote on the same day. That's huge because Three out of those four are swing states. So we're probably going to be down to like at most three candidates by then. And and this will be a big test, you know, and, and this is, by the way, when you look at why is Joe Biden polling so well? Exactly what we said before, because most voters believe he's got the best chance at beating Donald Trump and they care about that more than they care about literally anything else. In fact, I think you can add up the percentage of every other issue and it fits inside of the, the, the desire to beat Donald Trump. And part of that is how he polls in Ohio, how he polls in Florida. You're going to need to speak to those Floridians. Now, one piece of, uh, of hopeful news, if you don't like Biden, if you're not a Biden head, there have been only two polls taken for the Florida Democratic presidential primary. First one had 
uh, taken by Quinnipiac, had Biden at 41%. And FAU, the one that, that just got taken, has him at 34 So, touch lower. Although, again, we're matching ideologies, and this one was about three months ago. Warren also up big. Sanders polled at 14% both times. So, you could say that Biden is fading. And by the way, Biden's real clear politics average is fading. It's back around where it was after Miami. The question is, exactly where are those voters going? Politics! Let's close things out with a little, but your emails. You can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Ken writes, Jameet Singh is an interesting Canadian politician. He's Sikh, so he wears a turban. He gets a lot of flack for that. There are many clips of rednecks attacking him for being a Muslim and accusing him of trying to institute Sharia law in Canada. In all those clips, he never responds, no, you're thinking of Muslims. I'm the other kind of brown person, you ignorant F, which I respect him for. Quebec has a no religious symbols policy, which is a popular law among Quebecois who feel that their culture is being eroded, for which I can sympathize on some level. But that means that Jamit couldn't wear his turban and serve in any sort of government job within Quebec. He couldn't be a police officer, school teacher, or work at the DMV. And he so happens to be running for prime minister of Canada. Anyway, he made a French political ad in which he shows his hair, and it's nice hair. Kind of looks like Jason Momoa. Anyway, I think it's an interesting Canadian political story. Uh, And it is. I looked it up and I watched the ad. I'd play it for you, but the most interesting part about it is him showing his hair, which you can't really hear. And it's not even in English. It's in French. So I don't know how many of y'all would have dug on it. But go look it up. Jamit Singh is his name. Tokidoki Tensai writes, hey, this too old stuff is getting too old. As a younger candidate, if you're going to drive the point home, you don't drive your new Mustang into dad's house and complain that he doesn't get your rock and roll attitude. You do it by talking about young people's stuff with your friends and watch him scramble to keep up. That way you accomplish the feat of showing the world his age while still maintaining your not a ween status. I wonder what you could do, right? Should, 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 Mayor Pete just be on TikTok? (laughs) Should he just be doing TikToks? Maybe, right? Should he be making references to things that nobody else knows about on stage? Problem is that Mayor Pete isn't hip. He's trying to run as the like, don't worry that I'm younger. I'm also very boring kind of kind of thing. Yang is really the only one who really kind of gets, you know, uh, don't let your memes be dreams aesthetic. I'm curious to see as he, I mean, by the way, that, that stunt apparently where he, he's going to do the freedom dividend for 10 families that apparently netted him 450,000 emails. A reminder that we were talking not too long ago about candidates getting out of the race, including Kirsten Gillibrand, Because she was spending too much on blunt force Facebook ads. I mean, come on. 
No matter what you think of Andrew Yang, you got to give it to him. Uh, the dude knows the internet, and that is a valuable skill when you're running for president in 2019. You can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. I want to thank our $3 club, everybody at takepoliticsseriously.com, who has kept this afloat. We're trying to build things out a little bit here. Uh, uh, we, we're going to have to make some decisions about exactly what we what is worth it to you guys, what isn't. Uh, we have Tamar, who's booking all of our guests. So if you guys like that, then we got to make sure Tamar gets paid. Head on over there. Take politics seriously. Dot com. You can follow me everywhere at Justin R. Young, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Download archived episodes of the show at bonerwars.com. I would like to thank Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad. They uh, are, are our producers for this show. My name is Justin Robert Young. That about wraps it up for us. I would like to remind you that politics has three names, but more importantly, I saw a show the other day that was talking about politics. I know a lot of people talk about politics, and you and your friends may talk about politics, but right here on this show is the only place we talk about all Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>